0: Being a creative in today's society breeds some very interesting views, most of which are often misunderstood. Each Tuesday, join me, a longtime creative and filmmaker, as I share my take on culture, interview guests, and share some of my favorite things. So if you have a desire to increase your creative side, want to start a passion project, or just want to hear some great motivation, this is the podcast for you. Welcome. To the world according to low yo what's good it's your boy low man and we are back for another episode of the world according to low and i'm super excited because i have one of my favorite people in the world my guy man he he, he told me that he's your favorite neighborhood shade tree mechanic, uh, <laughs> but he's also working on his upcoming passion project that you will be able to listen to. I know you're kind of wondering where am I going with this, but I'm excited to say that I have my brother, Chad Collins, on the podcast today. Yes, Chad, sir. introduce
1: yourself, man.
0: Tell Chad people up, man.
1: Talk to him what's going on folks i'm chad collins i'm a a local atlanta musician i guess you could say i'm not really from atlanta but you know i'm in the area so praise god (laughs) yes sir atl atl in the
0: house atl is uh a lot give a lot of support to the podcast so shout out to atl man Appreciate y'all, but I did see some of y'all down at Lennox Mall, man, getting those Jordans during this Lord. pandemic, and we're going to keep y'all in prayer, man. Y'all got to do a little better than yeah. that. <laughs>
1: Goodness <laughs> I, gracious.
0: Chad, man, so, you know, I, I know we had kicks and giggles in the beginning, but, man, I want people to really understand what it is that you do, man. So, you know, I came across you. I got to meet you. I actually met your sister first, which was interesting, right. And your sister can blow, man. And I, I was telling her she came down and was working with us uh, on some of our one of our projects we had. And then she was like, "Man, that's nothing, y'all. You need to hook up with my brother." And he's like, "Dope, he plays everything." And I'm like, "What?" And she was like, "Yeah, hopefully y'all'll meet soon." And I think it was like maybe uh, some years before I actually met you. Yeah. But uh, you've been in music for a while, man, right?
1: Yeah, I've been in music my whole life, pretty much, man. Started in the church. My dad was a a traveling musician when I was growing up. He played in church. So anywhere he went, we went with him. And I always found myself sitting somewhere close to the drummer. I just sit behind him and watch. And then, you know... The rest is history. <laughs> I think we all started out at
0: in church on the by the drum stool, man, just yep, waiting sir. for our chance to get up and, and do some things and just hold a beat, man.
1: That's right.
0: Now, um, now you said you grew up around music your entire life. And I know church was a big part, but what was like what was it like in your home growing up like with music? What kind of how did your parents kind of grow? the talent that you guys had?
1: Man, I'll tell you, I was exposed to so many types of music at a young age. Um, like, I remember being being a kid, my dad would, uh, like, we didn't have a gospel music station in Atlanta when I was a little kid, so we only had this station called the Joy FM, and it was like, I call it pre-CM, It was like before, (laughs) before Christian contemporary, it was just Christian music. So every morning we had to, my dad was a school bus driver, so we had to get up early with him. And every morning on the way to work, we'll be listening to the Joy FM. And when he got off work, same story, we're listening to that same station. Uh, When I was a kid, my mom would put us to bed, she would turn on the oldies so I'll be listening to you know, uh, some some Beatles and Drifters and yeah, all that kind of old. 40. Oh yeah, all the old school stuff, man. And that shape, all that I didn't realize it then, but all that stuff was kind of shaping me musically. And then, of course, my dad was a a jazz head. So okay, I listen- so wait a minute. Hold on. Pause right there.
0: So Pops was a jazz head. Right. yeah he he
1: he listened to some of
0: everything man so what was pop what's some of pop's favorite favorite jazz pieces man like who is it, who is who who is his go to his top five who he got some yellow jackets in there i know he got some some cold train
1: <laughs> oh yeah definitely some cold train man um man, miles oh so many oh yeah miles was in there Art, uh, I, I actually didn't get introduced to the Yellow Jackets until I got on up in my career. And I, uh, a keyboard player friend of mine named Isaac Harris, shout out to him, he introduced me to the Yellow Jackets because I had heard some of their music, but I didn't know who they were. So until I got into like music school, like that, that side of jazz was a little <laughs> foreign to me. I knew it existed, that fusion, but. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because, you know, jazz Jazz went through a, a, a little phase, man, where, you know, you had the people who wanted jazz to remain traditional, but then yeah. you started seeing people do experimental things as, you know, exactly. as it was concerning jazz. And, you know, it wasn't well received in the beginning, but, you know, we're grateful now because, you know, the snarky puppies of today or... You know, a lot yeah. of those guys, the birds and the bees, a lot of them, man, they they benefit from, you know, those experiments. Yeah. So you said you went to music school. Now, I know, you know, you said you started out, you, you Pops, you know, with the, with the, you know, music on the bus and when you got off and all of those things and moms with the oldies and dad introducing you to jazz. So with all of that information coming at you, How did you start to develop
1: the Chad Collins sound? I'll tell you, man, it. uh, I think once I actually got in school and I. I could understand what I was actually playing. And putting together more of the different sounds and genres that I had been exposed to, like I got into I got into rock when I was in high school. I'm um, from a little town called Carrollton, Georgia, and there weren't many African American kids um, that were in that town. Really, there there were some, but the the town was predominantly Caucasian. So I had some Caucasian friends. I had some African American friends hispanic friends but um once i got in marching band in high school a lot of the guys that i was on the drum line with they uh were real big into rock so um when we would uh shed as they say i only had some of those guys to shed with and i was like man this is a totally different world from (laughs) shedding that i'm used to so um but it was always really awesome, man. It was always something I could take away. And then once I got into music school and I learned more about everything that I was playing, it it more helped me shape uh, my sound and helped me be more confident in what I was playing and taught me how to approach certain situations. Now, I think, and, and for those that are listening,
0: we're leading up to... Uh, uh, today's podcast I want you to know Chad is a working and touring musician so Chad we I'm laying the groundwork for you to understand some of the techniques and some of the lessons that go into you becoming if you're desiring to be a person that is getting called upon to play music on a regular basis to earn a living, doing it full time, like uh, Chad and his experiences are going to shine a little light on what we're actually trying to illuminate when it comes to uh, being solid as a working musician, because a lot of people have misconstrued what it means to be a working musician. Like people say, I'm a professional musician, but then you'll never have no check stubs. Like that's not, that's not what that is. Like yeah. having consistent work, being professional. There are a lot of things that go into um, being able to be called upon to, to play music um, the way that professional people can render a service. So, That's right. you know, at this point, like you're seeing where Chad has introduced us into his journey, you know, his, his family introduced him to it music early on which helps you start to mentally develop you know your awareness of what music is and this doesn't mean that you have to have grown up in a house that's musical we're not saying that we're saying that you know it helps assist on this journey because chad do you agree that you know did you did you play in band in high school I did. I was on the drum line all four years of high school. Okay, so um, high school really
1: started to put you into sheet reading music, right? Right. i, I started in um, I started in junior high in a concert band and so on and so forth. And then once high school came around, I had a decision whether it was going to be sports or drum line. So I went out for the drum line. And I made it the first year out, so I marched, um, and the rest is history.
0: Yeah, cause see, what's funny to me is uh, I I was a well rounded athlete, so I I literally played everything all year. But my coach gave me the ultimatum because I too was musical. I grew up like a lot like Chad. Um, same, I mean, you could plug me into Chad's story, and it would be the same thing. And, uh, man, my coach was like, okay, so you have to pick if you're going to be in the sports or if you're going to be in the band. And at my prep school, I went to the football coach and the coaches were like, they were gods, man. They That's where the money for the school came in. So if you were good, <laughs> they didn't want to see you standing on the field at halftime, they wanted you running touchdowns. They wanted you scoring baskets. They wanted you on the track, like whatever it took, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. bro, that's that's what they were looking for. And like, man, I regret, I, I seriously regret not forcing their hand to allow me to do both because yeah. it hurt me. In my development as a musician, because I wasn't able to get all that early studies of theory and just, you know, being able to play in a piece of music that, number one, you probably don't want to play, but you can appreciate up the road because all of those pieces, and I'm sure you can attest to this, Chad, a lot of those pieces aren't pieces you were going home and listening to your Walkman or your iPod or whatever, Those were pieces that (laughs) you know (laughs) you just kind of
1: would have looked the other way if it was your choice. Right, definitely. But they they definitely helped to shape your musical outlook and your understanding of uh, different textures and sounds and modes and the way everything, the uh, the way I might play a drum lick and how that might uh go along with a, a horn line or a string line or something mm-hmm. like that, you know. And and the power of like
0: pauses or rest and you know yes, building crescendos and all of that. You know, I um when I, I when I was at Berkeley, one of my professors said something to us in theory, he said that always stuck with me. He told me he said, um imagine a, a child that grew up learning how to talk but never understanding how to read, right? So you can function, but you'll never really maximize your experience in life because you're unaware of the very language that you're speaking because you can't interpret it and understand it. So imagine going to a restaurant that says what they serve or, you know, you're in the hospital or there's something bad that, you know, that's going on or if there's something dangerous, unless somebody could orally, verbally tell you, you would be lost, you know, on what was going on and you would right. make a lot more mistakes, you know, along the way. So when oh, sure. when you think about that from a musical standpoint, a lot of us, especially in the in the black culture, we learn by ear. So we're a lot like yeah. those kids who learn to talk. Yeah, I can figure out what key you're in. I can, I can figure out, like, I can apply things that I've heard musically, you know, like James Jamerson on bass, and I remember, or Jay, like, you know, Boosie Collins, how he played this record. Oh, and I can listen to it and learn it. But then let's yeah. say somebody called you on stage, Let's say somebody called you last minute and said, hey, man, we got we have uh, a couple of sets of tunes we need to play and we need a bass player. If you can't read music, if you don't understand the language, how to read what you already know how to play. You already know these notes, but you can't yes, understand
1: sir. them. You can't even sit in. You, right. You're right, no good. <laughs> And a lot of guys don't think it's necessary to be able to learn just because that they haven't had the opportunity or they haven't been presented with a gig where they had to. But I consider that kind of a crutch because, I mean, what what else could you be doing if you did have that tool? Because it's definitely a tool. Definitely a
0: tool. And And before we, because I really want to get to that, I really want to get to that part of it. But I want people to understand that you did not become a working musician overnight. So right after high school, what was
1: the next step for you? Man, after high school, I actually... Um, I went to the, the University of West Georgia for a little while. And... Because I thought I wanted to be a band director. And I was like, that's... I don't think I'm really passionate about this particular journey. <laughs> yeah, and uh, <laughs> but that's good. That most people just mm-hmm. go with the flow. I'm glad you were aware of that. Yeah, and I, you know I had some people who were who were trying to tell me that that was what I should do, but my Holy Spirit wasn't telling me that that was <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, so uh, I think uh, the first year passed. And uh, that, the summer after my freshman year, I started seeing these Atlanta Institute of Music commercials, and I was like, man, if I see one more of these commercials, I'm really going to look into this. Yeah. So I dug in, I, I made an appointment to go tour the school, and I went to the, uh, the school's open house, and so on and so forth. And... I loved it. I was like, man, I want to be a part of this. So, I think the following year, I started there. I think it may have been 2009. Mm -hmm. Now, I wasn't ready for what it cost me to be there. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was not cheap. Listen, I'm going to tell
0: you, uh, let me say this real quick. For anybody that's listening, if you go to any school that is particularly set on teaching you one set of skills you're going to pay extra because the people that are teaching you are people that have experience and they they have paid their dues and they're coming home to ride out the rest of their career yes
1: sir because
0: berkeley was not cheap even when i went to film school it wasn't cheap like Any concentrated now what you get, because I don't want people to somebody's listening like, man, I thought about going, you know, to Atlanta Institute or, you know, Berkeley or whatever. Now, what you get in return for the money you're paying is to be around people of like minded attainment who are seeking to be your peers and your competition. (laughs) Yes, sir. Cause, listen, I thought I was dope until I got to Berkeley, and I realized yep. in the first two days I knew nothing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was killing yeah, it in my town, Chad,
0: Chad. in my area, I was the man. Yeah, got to Berkeley.
1: Oh man, Bruh. it's a reality check, man. When you get around people who are from so many different walks and people who do so many different... Everybody hasn't been brought up the same way musically as you. Oh, no. So, some people have totally different strong points. Some guys were in there and then... I'm like, dude, how are your hands so fat? So fat. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing with your feet right there? These dudes in there double bassing and I'm like, yo... And then
0: can get up and get on another instrument or two and play just as good. Yeah. I'm like how am I supposed to compete with this, man? Like Yeah. But overall, people push you, they will help you grow. I I love my time that I've had you know at the colleges that I was able to attend. I know you probably feel like Atlanta Institute made you
1: a better musician because you oh, couldn't definitely. just fake it. Right? It, it, more than anything, it made me professional. There we. It go. taught me how to be professional. More than anything, I'm. I'm grateful for my teachers. Uh, I had Tom Knight, uh, Craig Harbor, and this guy named Jack Jones, and they were three totally different teachers, but they were my main guys. Um, now, y'all uh, had to do recitals for, and everything too. I'm sure. Yes, sir. Yeah. We had a we had three different performance classes every week along with all of our other classes, you know, your your theory and your um all the rest of it. I can't remember exactly yeah, what class was what, but Yeah,
0: cuz I know we had we had performances. <laughs> we had theory, then we had art appreciation, you had uh music appreciation. Uh, then yeah. you had you know um, even like sonically how your instrument you know makes a difference uh, sonically in in different tunings and all of those different things and studying the science behind music and sound like man, it was yeah. just it like like stuff you didn't think you would be doing at at, at a music school like bruh, it was it was extensive knowledge of of you learning what a true musician is like um i yeah. know I, I don't know how they graded you guys but your your promptness uh when you were supposed to be on stage man if you showed up at the time and your are in- like when it was time to perform and your instrument wasn't tuned or you weren't ready oh man yeah bro they they notating everything and a wow. lot of people um, and and I'm curious about Atlanta Institute. Like what was the drop rate for a lot of
1: those people like that attended with you? Really? I don't know, man. Um, I know it was, I know it was a bit tougher for some guys than others, uh, but some guys just wouldn't show up and put in the work. Like you got to be there first. Like come to class, you know. Now, did they have y'all do any record? Like, did anybody track y'all at all
0: while doing? Yes, we
1: did have we did have recording classes and like studio etiquette classes. Yeah, yeah, because being in the studio is way different from being just on (laughs) the. Yeah, (laughs) it's totally different. It's a different world. You can't approach it the same. Yeah, man. How you interact with engineers. Um,
0: yes, sir. Knowing, you know, just knowing proper like people don't understand like proper tuning, like making sure your instrument is properly maintained, like not slipping, like you know. I know with with like bass guitar and things like that, guitars, like making sure your intonation is right, so that when you're playing and people are paying you to track, you're not going flat in the middle of a lick. All of those yeah. kind of things, because time is money. So, any in the studio, if they call you, they are not trying to wait around for you to get
1: it. Like, right, (laughs) they, they expect you to have your stuff together so you can come in, knock it out, and everybody can go. Yeah, they expect you're being essentially you're not being paid to play, you're being played, you're being paid to be professional. I like that. Say that again for the people in the back, man.
0: You're not being paid to play. You're being paid to be professional. That's right. I like that. So if you're listening, and I, you know, a lot of times these, a lot of upcoming musicians now, they have so much talent. They get on YouTube at an early age and whatnot, but then they lack the professionalism to keep yeah. the jobs they're getting. I, I, I can't, I can't say this enough. Um, Adam Blackstone, who MDs most of the major uh musical performances or shows that you're witnessing on TV, uh, today, right now, yeah, Adam is just in another realm, bro. Uh, Adam was talking, someone was asking him about how you know (laughs) what goes into you know making sure that you have the right band for these gigs, and he talked about how he watches people not for what they do and their ability to just play. He watches them, how they interact with others. Like, like, do you leave like green rooms nasty or do you pick up behind yourself? How do you carry yourself? Like, what do other people say about you? (laughs) And when you think about that, think about the fact that you could, you could lose a gig, not because you're, you're not better than the other guy, but
1: because you're just not professional. Right. I mean, it's talented cats out of the wazoo these days, but professionalism is almost far and, or few and far in between, man. Yeah. So then Because we... a lot of cats don't know that you have to have that in order to maintain- the job
0: exactly so 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 talk to us Chad how how did you come about um, getting your foot into being a working um, and touring musician how did how did that work after you graduated uh, from Atlanta Institute of Music
1: well I got a call to audition for this rock band um, and that's probably the most it's it's the longest gig I've been on since I finished school. Uh wait a minute. I went wait, and auditioned. Wait, wait, wait. Did you just say
0: rock gig? Like, rock gig. Like like Metallica rock? Like uh
1: That's what we talking about? It was a little bit of a little bit of uh let's see. Ooh. What Sabbath,
0: like what, what? 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 Like what? What level of rock are we talking here? Nirvana, like what?
1: Uh, I think I. Crows. Yes, you could say. No, I wouldn't say crows. Um, you got to. I'd say we had band. like a a Weezer type sound. Okay. Weezer mixed with a little. uh, uh who else?
0: Now, for those who don't know by now, Chad is of the African American descent. <laughs> so this is <laughs> this is a uh a special conversation because you don't see many African Americans playing rock
1: music. Am I am I right or wrong, Chad? You are very right, sir. <laughs> you are more than right about that. So wh- I, I remember many a night where I may have been the only one. <laughs> <laughs> but you were able to get the job
0: done because what people care about the most is if you can actually do what it is you say you can do. And yes, sir. apparently Chad was rocking, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, <laughs> very well because you, you've been, you were on the road with those guys. How many years?
1: Eight years. Eight years. Whew. Eight years. I joined the band. I uh, audition in November of 2011. And I officially started in January of 2012. Now, when you got the gig, when they called you and they
0: said, Chad, um, we're, we're, <laughs> excited to let you know that you were chosen for this gig. Did they give you a catalog to learn or like what was they did from the car, from the call to the, to the first performance? What was that time? Like how walk us through that timeline.
1: Well, they gave me this band had, they'd already done, um, two records. So they were established already. Yes. Okay. Yes. Very well established band. um, They had been around for some years. They had seen some changes as far as, you know, who was in the band. But uh, the leader, it was only a three-piece band. So it was a rock trio. Okay. And the leader played guitar. And the bass player was the previous drummer. Mm -hmm. So he had been around for a while. And then when I came in, they were actually trying to determine whether they should pick a drummer or leave him on drums and find a bass player. And I guess they didn't like any of the the bass players they auditioned or they didn't feel like that was a good fit. So I came in and they, like I said, they gave me um, two of their records to learn everything that they had already done. And uh, set list of things that they typically do when they did like bar gigs and yeah. such, and it was a pretty extensive list. Woo. Um, so
0: they could pull from that set list at any given time, is what you're saying.
1: Yes, yes, and some nights, even though <clears throat> they gave me a CD of stuff to learn, you know, of a, a recording from some shows that they had done, and even on gigs after that, they would still pull out some songs and be like, oh, this is easy. You can do this. <laughs> Catch on real so, quick. Yeah. So it was like, even though they gave me everything I needed to be prepared, being professional also helped, you. helped me be prepared for those moments when I didn't know what song they were playing. It was just like, hey, I need you to stay right here, follow me. The bass player would be like, follow me. Since he was a previous drummer, he knew exactly what these songs were and where they were going, so on and so forth. So to be able to follow is another big thing, being a professional musician. So so that means you would say it's important
0: to be able to be fluid when it comes to, you know, being on stage with people.
1: Yes, most definitely. I got you. you so, have to th- always be aware of what's going on.
0: So, that goes back to you having a sound foundation in understanding the knowledge of music so that you can adapt. And if they say, hey, give us about, you know, uh, a 160, uh, we want it to be about 160 BPMs. Um, and, you know, we're going to go eight measures of straight. And then we want you to just kind of, you know, go into some triplets during the chorus or the, you know, hook of the song. Yeah. That kind of verb. Like, somebody's probably like, man, what What in the world are they talking about? Like, what does that even mean? But see, like, there's there's lingo in any skill set. So it doesn't right. matter if you're on film, if you're in a kitchen cooking, um, if you're, you know, uh, a mechanic shout out to Chad our, our favorite neighborhood uh shade tree mechanic <laughs> <laughs> on the side but uh you know all of those things man because here here's what people i I want people to really understand and I'm so glad thank you again chad for being here today man because I really love this conversation uh, you, you you gotta too. be able to understand what pays the bills number one number two is keeping the quality of the content and product that you're doing at a place where people don't feel, you know, jipped from paying their money. So, you know, you may go to a place or a bar. I mean, it's been plenty of times I've been on gigs, man. And the stuff we wanted to play, people were like, "Exactly, (laughs) we're not feeling that tonight, man. What you else you to, got?
1: <laughs> got to be all things to all people.
0: Yes. Yeah, man. You're all things to all people. And that's what separates the people who really understand their craft versus the people who are pretending. And I tell anybody, if you get in the right
1: situation, it will expose you <clears throat> with the quickness. Yeah. Yeah, because you can't go into a... I mean, we were playing rock and sometimes some country stuff. Sometimes we had really heavy country sets. And with me being the only, you know, brother in the mix. Yeah. A lot of times well, like no time. <laughs> people don't want to hear <laughs> People don't want to hear gospel chops over their favorite country song that yeah. they can sing along to. They want
0: to, especially country. Is such a thought out and strategically arranged piece of music. It's yeah. I, I remember working in Nashville and at the Grand Opry Theater, and those guys, those those country musicians, they will tell you the lyrics are the star of this, of the show, regardless of what we play. Yes, the sir. pocket, you're not here. To be doing all that showboating, you man, That's you are right. gonna play as one band. It ain't now if it calls for a solo, by all means. But it still better be tasteful. And when that time comes up, you better fade back in the <laughs> in the That's shadows. Right. So you know it it is is really you know sad that gospel musicians have the the stigma of just being musicians that have no discipline. Yeah. And, and truthfully, it it's a lot of that because you hear the same musicians record on all the major records. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Calvin Rogers normally plays drums. Um who who was my guy that played with New Breed? Uh, I think he passed away. Um the drummer for New Breed didn't he pass away, Israel? Uh, um, he had like the fastest foot. Like I can't re- think of his name, but he he passed. Not away. Big Mike Clemens. Clemens. Big Mike Clemens. Mike passed. He passed away. away? Yeah, didn't my, I? I, I want to look. I don't want to go on record saying that. I I believe because he was married to Coco. I want to say right. Big Mike Clemens. He is no longer with us, but don't quote me uh, on that. Let's just say allegedly at this time. But yeah. I believe, like even him, uh, Marvin McQuitty, who played with with Fred, like a lot of those guys, man. Uh, Little John, <laughs> not 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 Atlanta's Little John, uh, the drummer Little John. He was uh, yeah. he was known to play on a lot of records because a lot of a lot of gospel. You know, musicians, they 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 do a lot of things that are for attention. It's never really about the quality of the music, which was interesting because when Ty Tribute and, and GA came along and you had Soundcheck, but Soundcheck, to yeah. be fair, was not a gospel band because that yeah. was playing with Jill Scott already. Spanky was already playing with professional artists out of Philly Um, Ty had already been writing and playing with people. So they already kind of had a taste of what we're talking about today, being professional, being able to hold down gigs. So, you know, when they played like as one band, but musically just theory and man, some of that stuff, like you ever go back to that No Way album? and just listen to some of yeah. the stuff they were doing at 17 and and i'm thinking like that is killing this base. like what him and spank were doing if you released yeah, it right now would still be accepted as going hard <laughs> yeah man but you know back to it you know chad you know A lot of guys, you know, they they really don't get to have these conversations with people who are able to tell them with experience, you know, what really goes into it. Because, uh, let's talk about this. Um, One thing I noticed was that a lot of musicians, even when they get gigs, they hit the road. How did you manage your finances? Because a lot of guys blow through their checks because they think, oh, you know, I I got the next gig coming up but you forget that you still got to go home like you're working. <laughs> so how did you man. manage your finances and stuff like that on the road, man?
1: Man, I was coming home paying stuff off. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm not trying to be in debt cuz I really my um <clears throat> my grandmother uh was going through some some things with her health. So she moved towards Carrollton to be with my dad or to be closer to my dad so he could look out for her. So she gave me her house. And um, I was like, man, I don't have no rent. I don't have no house note. I'm about to start paying everything off. No car note. Uh, none of that stuff. So I can just hold on, you know. Yeah. So, so I so- was... So you were
0: making shrewd, you were you were aware that you needed to be shrewd about what you were doing with your finances. Yeah, I was
1: trying to, yeah, I was making sure I paid my student loan payments on time and you know, making sure I had all my taxes taken care of because, you know, ain't no ain't no, uh, ain't no taxes being taken yeah, out when and, you're doing and, it. Yeah. You, yeah. you work
0: for yourself and I'm glad you said that. Yes, sir. Like, you know, um, a lot of times did they give you a w9 like what was your setup with that so they I did get a w9 yeah so they show they show record of paying you <laughs> but they didn't take right. they weren't responsible for taking taxes out that was on right. you yeah because yes, I do sir. that I, I contract people out all the time and a lot of times that's what I I choose to do as a business is hey you're responsible for your own taxes now if you want me to take your taxes out, then I can give you another form at the end of the year saying that I paid those taxes to the state for you. But most people aren't going to want to do that because most time when people are, you know, work for hire, as they call it, you want all your check up front. Right. So nobody negotiates the taxes involved. Hey, man, you know, yeah, it's going to cost, I'll charge you 450 a week, but you take care of the taxes. See nobody says that cuz really what you're getting is about 365 and then the rest of that is going to Uncle Sam. But you right. know, it's kind of hard when you got to trust yourself. So the fact that you were even aware of that is really special, man. I'm I'm glad to hear that. But technically that's not the normal situation. Most guys right. if do you agree most guys <laughs> musicians would would spend the entire Portion of what they receive uh
1: yeah yeah and really it's because a lot of guys just don't know any better they nobody nobody has taught them finance so you know guys go out and we get these we get these gigs starting to get some money and we don't know what to do with ourselves so we're buying shoes and buying more gear and clothes and you know, getting that new whip, uh-huh. to all gear around in and
0: <laughs> stun for the stun for the crowd. You go, you wanna park yeah. up front. You wanna park in front of the building, you you know, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Now, Chad, now when you got the call, I meant to ask this earlier. Now, did they provide you with, with equipment? Was there's back line provided, or did you have to have your own your own uh, instrumentation?
1: I had to have my own stuff. Wow. And I I actually preferred it that way because I had more control over what I was using. And I could shape my sound off of what I knew I had and what I knew I wanted to use as opposed to what was available. Now, did they ask you, did you have your own instrument?
0: <clears throat> yes, they did. Okay. Now, we're, and then, so, not only did you have to maintain uh, your your instrument, so you would have to change the heads every so often, every so many gigs,
1: right? Oh, yeah. You know, over time, you know, cymbals break, heads pay- get dented. Who paid for the sticks? I paid for it all myself. <laughs> so,
0: so you mean you, you had to, to eat up the expenses of what you had going on as well as taking care of your, your home, uh, you know, expenses and then life on the road, you know, cause a lot of guys go out, they eating out three, four times a day and you know, it, yeah. it,
1: that adds up quick. Yeah, and one one thing I learned about being out, um, like I know some summers we would go down to, uh, uh, what was it? We did these these weekly beach gigs. It would be like a full weekend at this place called AJ's down in Destin and another place, I think it was called Schooners in uh, Panama City. And that was like, that took up like the whole weekend. I remember from, schooners. I, I
0: played at schooners, yeah. man. Yeah. And them people don't leave till like four in the morning, man.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> it was a, it was a, those were some long nights. And, Boy. you know, you're down there for a number of days. Yeah. So we, what we would do was we would go to the grocery store and then we would go back and cook every day. So nobody's just going out, eating out every night. Cause you know, that's, that's expensive. That's, that's money out of your pocket, pretty much. Yeah,
0: and see, that's a lot of what we did. We we would get rooms that had little kitchenettes in them or refrigerators, and we would bump with each other instead of having separate rooms. You know, we would get a, a like a country country time, or you know, Hilton had one of those suites, and uh, everybody would have like the the shared living area. And then, yeah. you know, but you still had your own room. And then we would just cook breakfast because, uh, if I, if I remember correctly, schooners was like, you had to go like four days. It like, I know when we did it, we had to play like ladies night. Then it was like the, the club nights that everybody yeah. just hit the weekend and oh, yeah. down there, man. I was like, I had never seen nothing like that. I was like, man, these people really come here to be here for
1: a while oh yeah, oh, yeah. bro I... and they stay there all night until you're gone and we'll walk you out as you're loading up <laughs> yes sir <laughs> enjoy you yes, guys sir. man still
0: talking man y'all sure where's it where's the guitarist man tell him just play on the guitar man we'll we'll pay you another 200 bucks we like dude we got nothing <laughs> left right we gotta be right back here tomorrow man like Exactly.
1: You you gave it all and then they want you to give some more. And you're like, man, I just want to go to bed. Yeah. And, you know, that's another thing that a lot of people
0: don't understand is that like, man, being a working musician takes a lot out of your body. Like it is yes, not it the typical thing where you just show up and go like, man, it really it demands a lot from you. Um, in the regards uh, of just being mentally prepared and physically exerting so much for people to enjoy oh, yeah. the night that they
1: have. That's right. I remember many a night, <clears throat> even being down there um, I would have to drive down just so I could get back for church on Sunday morning. So I'm I'm driving down to Florida playing however many nights, and then that last night, I get off the stage, go back, take a shower, and hit the road straight back to straight Atlanta. to church. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I I I was the same way, man, because
0: I never wanted to uh, miss church and let my church uh, lack. So man, there exactly. was times like man, it would be so bad, man. Some of my, uh, you know, you would get your friends if they could to just come out, hang out, sleep in the car. And then after the show, you wash up and pack up, and then man drive back, and you you oh, don't yeah. go home, man. I was going straight to the church, like people were right. thinking I'm I'm leaving from home, and I'm like, nah, man. I had a show last night in Florida, right,
1: <laughs> right, from Florida in Mississippi and Mississippi or somewhere, <laughs> you know you gotta make that drive through the night Yeah, Tracy man, was rough. my partner a few times I was like Tracy I need you to drive this first leg man I'm telling you cause boy I,
0: I, I know for a fact there have been numerous times where I don't remember coming through Alabama like yeah <laughs> I wake up and I'm like I'm I'm 20 minutes from home I've been asleep like seriously yeah man yeah, man, like, that, and, and, you know, all in all, man, like, every job demands a lot and, and trades off, but, like, you know, what is some advice you would give to someone starting out, knowing what you know now and knowing, you know, the things that can help and hurt uh, someone who wants to be a working musician? What's some advice that
1: uh, advice that you would give? One is... Um be approachable um, and know how to listen. There are some people, I know there's a lot of crazy talented guys out here, but at the same time, there's a lot of guys that just have more experience and they have a better understanding of how things work or how things should work or different approaches. So always be willing and ready to listen and learn because there's, this is a, a never-ending growth process. Being a musician, there's always something else to learn. Um, and somebody can always add something to what you're doing.
0: That's good advice, man. And, and you know, if you're listening, if you're still listening at this point, um, and you really are passionate about developing, you know, heed that understanding, man, because... You know, people like Chad have uh they've 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 not only experienced it, they've lived where you want to be. So they can tell you how to get there. And that was great advice. Um Chad,
1: tell the people where they can find you online, man. Uh, you can find me at uh Chadman underscore A Y E. That's C H A D M A N. My first name is Chadman. Thanks to my mom for giving me that Shout out to intellectual great name. I love my mom. Uh, and AYE, my middle name is Alexander. Okay. I don't know that. So, Alexander Chadman underscore, yes, sir. Okay. Greatness is imminent. There I can't go. help but be great. <laughs> Hell, man, I, I'm with
0: it. Now, Chad, uh, if I'm correct, you're currently... Uh, getting ready to gear up for your own passion project where you'd be doing your own music project.
1: Yes, sir. And I'm also doing something along with you, man. And I i am really excited about this, uh, this prayer project that you and I have been talking about. Yeah. Um, I'm ready to uh, pour out into that and for it to touch people. Yeah, man. So we never stated how many instruments do you play, man? I mean, if you don't count all the percussion instruments that I had to learn, like xylophone, and, <laughs> no man, and, bells them, man. and chimes. Listen,
0: <laughs> at, at, if you go to Carnegie Hall right now, if you go to any any major New York, uh, you know pit, you're gonna find somebody playing xylophone. So those instruments, we're not. I you people always try to dumb those things down, man. They they matter. If you don't believe it, yeah. look at, at Earth, Wind, and Fire. Look at all these made, bro. Those those instruments make some major records. <laughs> That's very true.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I I started out with those things. You know, the bells and the the chimes and the xylophone. Dude, can uh, you play timpanis? The timpani, yes. Oh, that love, was one I, of my. That was one of
0: my favorites when I, I was in there. Listen, man. I fell in love with timpanis in in music school. And I did not understand the vastness of that instrument, man. It is a beast. Like people don't yes, really there. understand the skill that goes into playing timpani.
1: Right. It's not it's not for the uh <laughs> the faint of heart. <laughs> not at all, man. And then I
0: didn't even know they had like pedals and stuff. I was like, "Dude, like what?"
1: Right. Man. And then and then there's some songs Some pieces of music where you're like uh tuning on the fly because you know you only have so many timpani around you, yeah. So you have to use the same timpani, the same drum for a different note than you did the previous measure or something like that. So, man, that's good stuff.
0: So, you you play the timpanies, xylophones, your your, your drums,
1: triangle. (laughs) <laughs> congas yeah I play bongas. the keyboards keyboards and organ I actually when I started my keys journey uh, I actually started on the organ because my dad had one he just kept it in the basement really and one day yeah he had this thing called the Hammond Portabee organ I am aware of the Portabee yeah man yeah they're, they're now did you guys have now. the model
0: where the speaker was built into it
1: yeah, it had some speakers built into it. But then but it also, it also has, has the
0: Leslie out. Oh, yes. Yeah, man. I know what model y'all had. Yeah. Bobby, yeah, man, man. Look, Bobby. Shout out to my big brother, Bobby Sparks. Bobby put me on to understanding the the levels of how beautiful Hammond organs and organs in general were. Those instruments sure. are magical, man, with the yes, with they what are. they can do, bruh. Yeah, so I, yeah, I, I'm I'm very aware of the uh, the model that, that man. That's what's up, and it was just there in the
1: basement. Yeah, it was just there. It was he had that along with a uh, uh, seventy three Fender Ropes oh. just sitting in the basement. Do so y'all still have the Rose today? No, we don't have it anymore, man. But but that's really where my keys journey started in the basement so, down there. Yeah. Man, so, awesome. You know, ain't no transpose button. Ain't on no those transposing guys, so. <laughs> on neither one of them, Doc. Yeah, so when I was going down there, it was just like, hey, man, you just got to do what you do. Yeah, now, did,
0: did Pops make you really uh, get to know your scales uh, and fingerings really well, or did you just kind of develop that up the road?
1: Actually, he didn't really push me. Um, it was just something that I, I fell in love with. And I just developed the passion on my own. Um after I after he saw how serious I was, he started to, you know, nudge yeah. me a little more, like, hey, just you know, you can stretch bit. this out a little bit more, you know, you can do such and such and such and such, and go here and and think about this differently. And I'm grateful to my dad for that. Now he's a big he's a big part of my my musical journey, especially on drums. He was the one that that taught me about pocket pocket for you
0: that may not know what pocket means. It, it means close, close to, to, to just the body of the music. You ain't, you ain't getting out there. It's, it's structure. It ain't doing all that flare stuff. It's locked in is the, as, as they say. But, uh, now my question is, have your, have your parents ever, um, you know, nudged you and your sister to to put out any music together as siblings,
1: or like, how does that go? They haven't, but I know that everybody's waiting on it. Yeah, like they expect us to do that. Like I'm so. shocked. Like y'all are extremely close, man. So
0: I'm ex. I'm just always shocked that y'all have never gone down that road together.
1: Yeah, it's it's gonna happen. You know, Tracy, she's a lot more busy than I am. <laughs> now, do you sing as well? I do sing. I don't sing out as much. Yeah, but, you know, I sing. Okay, so
0: well-rounded in, in all in all manners of the of the gift of music.
1: Yes, sir. I think I think it helps to to have all of that different, all of the different levels of understanding. Of how something helps another thing, yeah. Like voicing, I understand yeah,
0: voicings,
1: yeah. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I understand my place as uh, when I'm accompanying a vocalist on the piano, I understand that the 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 forefront belongs to whoever the vocalist is, and I don't have to be all over the place because my place is to accompany them.
0: Yeah. That's good, and and that's that's another. See, Chad just gave y'all another nugget, man. Make sure y'all taking notes out there, cause that's a big thing. You got to leave room, like I said earlier. You know, I we were always taught that. You know, it's lyrically the vocals are what um, you know really sell the experience and what people want to come. People want to sing along the music. They don't want you soloing all night. Because then the audience isn't a part of the experience. So great right. records, great musicians always leave room for the crowd or the audience to, you know, join in the experience by singing along. So that's why you right. see artists like, you know, Beyonce or whoever, Michael Jackson used to do it all the time too, and they would, you sing, because people want they want to feel like, They doing something, too, man. You know, it's great to spectate. But, you know, when you can feel a part of that experience and that's once again goes to being professional, when you know all of the other aspects that go into what you're there for, it makes people call you over and over again because all they want at the end of the day is to continue working. And, uh, yeah, man, Chad, I appreciate you, man, for being on the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Did you enjoy yourself, man? Yes, sir. Most definitely, man.
1: I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be a part.
0: You know, is this your first podcast interview?
1: This is my first podcast. Oh
0: man. I'm, 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 I'm getting them left and right. Y'all heard last week, Coach Leonard, he said, uh, that was his first time on the podcast, So I'm excited, man, that I'm able to give these opportunities uh to my to my guys and to my friends, man, and man, I appreciate you. Uh, for being on the podcast today And to all my people out there listening I want to shout out to the Patreon Nation Man, I cannot do this without you Thank you for your support Man, if you want to become a Patreon Man, you can always go to Patreon.com And just search Aloysius Ballard And man, I'll pop up And man, we are creating as much content For you guys as we can I appreciate each and every one of you and until next time, man, tune in next Tuesday for the next and new and latest episode of The World According to Low. It's your boy, Low, man. I'm out of here. Peace. Thank you for listening. There are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine. You can connect with me everywhere through my website. AloysiusBallard.com or by searching Aloysius Ballard on all platforms. I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast or simply share it with a friend. Remember, your world awaits even though I love sharing this time in mine. See you in the next conversation.